Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the fulfillment and happiness that we find in you. There is nowhere else, Lord, where our lives find meaning and fulfillment and accomplishment more than in your presence. And we thank you, Lord, for your complete work on the cross of Calvary, Jesus, for what you did for us, and that together we are called sons and daughters of God because of your work and your sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. As we listen to your word, Lord, may you open our spirit and mind that we may grasp, understand, and put to practice the things that you want us, Lord, to walk in and gain the understanding that will liberate us in these end of days. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, th- we pray. Amen. Awesome. Like my nature said, last week we started our series uh, in holiness and worship series, and Lena introduced it. And today I'm going to take up a second sharing in our series of which I'm going to talk about the altar of sacrifice. So she brought, um, she brought, she she walked us through the virtue of the tabernacle, and we looked at the pieces or the furniture we call them that are found in the tabernacle. And today I'm going to talk about the first, uh, should I say, the first furniture or the piece that you find immediately when you enter in the courtyard of the tabernacle. Before entering in the holy place and going to the holy of holies, when you get in the, in the courtyard of the tabernacle, what you find is that piece which is called the altar of sacrifice. Um, do we have a picture of the altar itself? Yeah, so that you have an idea as I'm talking about. So, that is the altar of sacrifice. So, you know, the, ta- the, the courtyard, the, the tabernacle was made like example of the way this church is. Outside there is the courtyard where everyone else comes. They enter through one gate and they enter right at the gate. When you come, you find that piece, you know? Now, before you enter, imagine this is the holy place where we are. And there was a huge curtain. Behind it, it is the holy of holies where no one else is allowed to go. Now, just like the curtain is... There, that's where the Holy of Holies, this is the holy place where other items, our furniture we are going to talk about were found. But before that, outside there, you find the altar of sacrifice. It was also called the altar of burnt offering. Now, on this piece of furniture, we see the priests, the, the high priests or the priests, they were there are working on that altar every day. They were on the altar of sacrifice, and then we have people coming to offer their sacrifice. Now, this place also was called, like you can see, it was the, uh, <laughs> the slaughter place, we can call it, because that's where they killed all the animals that came in. It was the first thing the worshippers saw when they entered in the, in the place of worship, in the sanctuary. When they just entered in the yard where the tabernacle was, the first thing they saw was the altar of sacrifice. You know, at this place, it was easily accessible. You could see it. It was unavoidable. And it was, it was unmistakable. 
It was not like something that happened to be there. It was intentionally placed there. Okay? Every man who passed through the, the, the courtyard had to pass by this bloodshed or blood-stained uh, altar where they had to offer sacrifice to the Lord. And the sacrifice they offered was animal sacrifice. It was either a lamb, the whole lamb was brought, killed, and put on that and offered. The, the priests were there to be able to burn that animal there. And the smoke had to go to God. And when the smoke went straight like you can see, then your sacrifice was received by God. If your smoke did not go straight up to God, it scattered all over around. It was not, maybe it was not received to the Lord. You know, the Lord did not receive your sacrifice. Therefore, your sin was not atoned for or your sin was not covered. Just trying to walk you in understanding of what happened that was in the tabernacle of Moses. In the first tabernacle that was that God instructed Moses. And the first piece that was very important before you entered in the Holy of Holies and in the holy place, you had to pass through there. And today we're talking about this first furniture that is there, the altar of sacrifice, the altar of burnt offering. Without passing through there, you cannot enter. You cannot wash your hands where in the lava, in the, in the basin. You cannot enter even in the holy places. You are to pass through the altar of sacrifice and offer the sacrifice to the Lord for the forgiveness of your sin. Without which you could not enter in the, in the tabernacle. Okay? Why the sacrifice? Because man could only approach God by the means of the sacrifice. Without the sacrifice, man was a sinner and he could not approach God. He could not come closer to any holy instrument. You had to offer your animal there that your sin should be forgiven. And therefore, after that, then you were allowed to enter to go and worship the Lord or your sins were forgiven. Now, on this sacrifice, as you can see, there was a fire that was bent continually. The fire on this brazen, on this, you know, altar, the brazen altar, the fire burnt continually every time and it was uh, consuming the sacrifices that were offered on that blood-stained uh, sacrifice as a reminder of sin. This thing you see there, it was stained with blood of different animals that were offered every day. That thing was so stained, it was so uh, not, uh, not please, pleasing or really good to see or to look at with your own eyes because it had so many uh, blood stains of animals and smoke continually uh, burnt. It was coming out of that, of that altar. So to say, it was detestful to see in the eyes. And that was a reminder of how detestful sin was to God. That was a reminder to the people of Israel of how unpleasing, of how, how, of how sin looked before the Lord, of how sin appeared uh, before the Lord. And then this was the only altar that was allowed in Israel. It was found only in the sanctuary, in the place of worship. 
That's when our people had to go to get their sins covered. But you have to understand a little bit on why an altar, what is, what does an altar do or what is the spiritual symbolic of an altar? You will find that an altar is a place of sacrifice. It's also a place of worship. It is also a place of consecration where people come to set themselves apart and worship whatever they worship. An altar also is a meeting point between human and spirit beings. In our usual, in our normal time, you find that the people that worships the enemy or the devil, they have altars where they go to place sacrifices, right? You and I have grown up in Zambia and in an African culture where this is not alien, this is not strange. You find that in, you go, when you visit a shrine, a shrine is an altar where demons are invoked. On, the, on an altar, a witch doctor will put a sacrifice, whether a white powder or chalk or whatever it is, and some burning there, to be able to evoke on the spirits. And the spirits will come, they will respond on any call that has been placed on an altar. If they get, for example, a witch doctor or some other people, they get your photo or they get money from you, they go place it on an altar. In their act of worship, they are trying to, trying to tie everything that you hold or trying to place a curse on you. It happens on an altar. If you visit a sangoma or a witch doctor, you find an altar where they meet the spirit world and the physical world meets on an altar. All right, And the sacrifice that is offered on a, on a demonic altar is a pleasing and a sweet aroma to the evil spirits. So the same is with, the, with, with their time and in our time. God is a righteous God and he is pleased with the sacrifice that is offered on a righteous altar. You are a living sacrifice that is offered to the Lord daily. And the church stands an, as an altar, the representation of an altar that is, 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 is erected before the Lord. God comes up and down. He descends. When we offer sacrifice of praise to the Lord here, his glory comes down. Amen. He comes to meet up his people, to encounter his people, and he delights when we come together and worship. That's why the writer to the book of Hebrews says, do not be in a habit of not meeting together and give worship and encourage one another as is the habit of others. Because in the company of believers, when the believers come together in unity there on the altar, and the Bible says in Psalm on the mountain of Lebanon, representing an altar of the Lord, the Bible says there the Lord commands a blessing. There the Lord commands his blessing and favor forevermore. On the altar of God, when we offer a sacrifice of worship through holiness, our bodies are holy to the Lord, and we offer ourselves to the Lord, we worship the Lord, his glory comes down, and we inhabit, we, we joy, we rejoice, and we live in the presence of the Lord. So an altar also was a place, is a place where covenants are cut. On the altar, covenants are cut, vows are made on the altar. It is the gate into the spirit world. An altar is a spiritual highway 
for a visitation, an altar also, like we see in Genesis 28, also God is trying to explain something. We see that an altar is the gate of heaven, where heaven descends on earth. Heaven on earth happens on an altar. Happens when sacrifice is offered on an altar. That's why God calls us his temple and we are the sacrifice. He says we are living sacrifice. We are the temple. God comes down. To come and consume the sacrifice. To come and delight in the sacrifice that we offer to him. That said, it is very important for you and I to offer the sacrifice of praise to the Lord our God. When you are holy, you offer sacrifice of praise and worship to God. He comes down to come and receive that sweet sacrifice that has been offered to him. Isn't that so wonderful? So this altar, the characteristics of an altar, I was just thinking about then what is the characteristics of an altar. Uh, we find that the first character, the characteristic of an altar is that altars have power to blaze. The altar has got power to bless. That's why they had, they had that altar we saw because there God came to bless them. God came to cover their sin on an altar. The altar has got power Altars can speak for generations. Altar, we see one altar in Genesis 28, where many years before Isaac was born, Abraham had offered to the Lord a sacrifice on this mountain. And then after that, he was gone. He was dead. His son was passing and his, you know, Jacob and all that. And then he went there to go and sleep on a stone. Not knowing that many years ago, Abraham had offered sacrifices on that altar, on that place, and God still remembered the sacrifice that was offered. There was a ladder that was going up from heaven to earth, and the angels were watching that place because somebody erected an altar there and offered sacrifice to the Lord. So what am I trying to say? Altars can speak for generations. When you raise an altar to the Lord, when you stand and make your family to be an altar to the Lord in a spiritual sense, God will always visit that family. When you come together as family and pray to the Lord, when you dedicate your family, you dedicate your life to the Lord, that's a covenant between you and God that will never be cut. Because God always visits an altar, visits a place of sacrifice. You know, also, altar stands as a memorial for those who raised them. It speaks for your children, speaks for your descendants. We also see that praise and worship presented from a holy and sanctified altar represents sweet incense that God cannot reject. So that's why that altar was there, stained with blood. It was because it was reminding them that God is looking to make a cup for a cup. He's looking for a people he can make a covenant with. A people that he can enter in partnership with. A people that he wants to redeem. God created you and I for a purpose, and he wants you to come to him, to his altar, so that you may find purpose, so that you may find redemption, 
so that you may find salvation on the altar that was offered uh, 2,000 years ago. That was raised 2,000 years ago. So now another thing is that the altar, it brings the need for the sacrifice. When we see the altar, we see the need for a sacrifice. There was a need for sacrifice. Now let me tell you, in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, here's what the Bible says. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Have you seen the need for sacrifice? Without the shedding of blood, there is no need. There is no, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And blood that is shed just elsewhere is spilled. But the blood that was shed on an altar was covering the sin of mankind. The blood that they shed on the altar of sacrifice in the Old Testament, it covered, it atoned. When we are talking about atonement, we are talking about covering. It covered the sins of men. Now, even in our time, you know that you and I have fallen short of glory of God and as sinners, we have sinned against God. And you know God's punishment for sin? What is Death, right? Death is God's punishment for sin. God is not lenient on sin. With God, sin is sin. It is so detestful. Sin is so unpleasing to God. Actually, sin is the only thing that breaks God's heart so badly. Such that the way it breaks God's heart, God also pays sin equally with the penalty of death. So, no matter who it is who commits sin, God punishes sin the same way. But, you know, there is something that cools God's heart when sin is committed, and that is the sacrifice. In the Old Testament, when somebody sins and they went and give their animal, God put down, down their on his, on his rat, rat, and anger for punishment for that person. We know in the Old Testament, the punishment for sin was instant. If somebody sinned, sinned, they were killed. They died and they were stoned physically. But if they offered a sacrifice to the Lord of animal, or peace sacrifice, then they, they actually bought themselves some few more days to live. So this was offered constantly. You had to offer animals constantly in order for your sins to be forgiven, in order for your sins to be covered or to have a weight, not to attract an immediate punishment. There was need for sacrifice, and today also there is a need for sacrifice for you and I. That sacrifice, it was done 2,000 years ago. Jesus paid in full. He paid for your sins and my sins in full. Since the punishment for sin is death, Jesus went to the cross. 
That's, that's God's altar. Now, we, look, we are going to look shortly about God's altar. But before I go to that, the Bible in Hebrew says that, For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there, was no, there is no forgiveness of sin. So what I'm trying to say, without the shedding of blood, there was no remission. There was no forgiveness of sin. You know, the Lord God is a holy God and is looking forward to have a holy people. That's why in Peter he says, you are a holy people. Right? Peculiar generation. A generation of priests and kings. A people called by God himself. God has called you and I and say, you are mine. You are holy people. He is a holy God and is looking forward to have a relationship with people who are so intentional about holiness. You know, nowadays, sin has been turned to be something like a case of flu. Sin has been turned to be something simple, like it is, just, it is just an addiction. Like it is just, I can just control it. You've got to control it because sin is never committed without your permission. No one commits sin without their permission. You permit yourself, you get flexible on something in order to do it. But you know also that you could discipline yourself not to do it. I know you may say it's not by power, not by might. Yes, that's why the Spirit of God is inside of you. To give you power of control, to control your emotions, to control your action. And that's why Jesus came. To give us strength and capacity to overcome. And don't we say that we are more than overcomers? We are more than conquerors? Have you read about that? It's not only to conquer demons, it's also to conquer sin. It's also to conquer anything that makes us to be less than what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. Say amen to that. So God is looking to have a relationship, forward to have a relationship with you and me. Actually, the Hebrew word or the picture... <laughs> You know, for sacrifice, it, it threw a quite clear picture for sacrifice of the, how sinful man was and how holy God was. Because man needed to come with an animal in order for God to accept man. Right? So it showed how man was a sinful and only Another life, an innocent life, needed to play a PC party in order for man to go free. An innocent life had to die. An animal had to die in order for man, in order for people to find acceptance and freedom in the sight of God. And God's measure has always been the same. Because for you and I to be accepted and to come to God, there is a blood that was shed. The blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. An innocent life died on the Calvary, on the cross, in order for you and I to have the same standing with God, to have, to have the righteous standing. God is not counting sin on you. 
but is counting the righteousness of Jesus Christ on you. Your account has been removed of that filthiness of sin, but has been filled with the glory and the righteousness of Jesus Christ when you are in Christ Jesus. And when you come to him and you say, Father, I am sorry for my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I'm asking that the blood of Jesus wash me and cleanse me. The blood of Jesus comes to cleanse you because it has been shed once and for all for you. Put our hands together for Jesus for what he has done. So sin, sin is ugly. It is just as bloody as that bloody altar. Where animals were slaughtered and cut every time in order to appease men. That's how sin is. Sin is bloody. Because somebody's blood was shed in order for your sin to be paid for. Do you get that? Sin is bloody. So when, that's why Paul says, when we keep on living in sin, we are like crucifying Jesus again. Because every time you sin, the blood of something or somebody has to pay for your sin. Otherwise, the punishment for your sin is death. So each time you sin, the blood of Jesus, you have to run to the cross. The blood of Jesus on this altar has to come and cover you. Has to come and atone you. Has to come and cleanse you in order that you may be clean again. So sin, when you commit it, it's not as, as sweet as it sounds. Somebody is feeling the pinch. Somebody is paying for your sin. Alright? Sin is bloody. <laughs> If you think that the blood sacrifices I was talking about are so repulsive and they are so ugly, they are, you know, to some sensitive people, they're so like, oh my gosh, he's talking about cutting the head of an animal. I want to tell you that yes, God had to give his back on his only one son on the cross of Calvary. And that son did not just die quietly. He cried, he said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? And he said it in Aramatian Aramat in, in language. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabakethnai. Jesus cried on the cross of Calvary. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabakethnai. My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He carried the sin of the world. The sin, your sin and my sin was on him. They were put on him. And he died with it, nailed it to the cross. So that you and I can be free. Oh, what a love. Oh, Jesus Christ is so good. So when we say he's a loving God, we mean it. Because he did it on the cross of Calvary. Now, sacrifices and offerings were essential to worship offered to God from the time of Babel to the time of Moses when God instructed him that go, there is got to be something that makes my people come close to me. Now there's, then we see Jesus, the cross, on the cross, God's altar, like I've been talking about. On the cross, on God's altar, Jesus, Jesus offers himself as a sacrifice for our sin. So this was God's altar where his lamb, his own son, Jesus, the lamb of God, was crucified. He was offered. 
so that you and I can find redemption, so that you and I can find salvation. Jesus was offered for you and me. Now, let me tell you one thing. Jesus offered himself and is offering himself to you and me as a free gift. If you receive him, you have eternal life. If you reject him and run away from Christ, you have eternal punishment. There's only two things. There's never been in between. It's either you receive Jesus and have the forgiveness of sin because of the blood that he was shed on the cross of Calvary. Or you reject Jesus and face the consequence. Right, I know people may say today, no, the world never will come to an end. There is never, God is so good, he can never punish anyone. You know, there are all those complicated, I don't know, whatever people are smoking. You know, all these things, it is right there. Jesus died and God allowed him to die so that sin will be paid for. How dare you say that God is a good God, he can never punish anybody. God punishes sin no matter who committed. Unless sin comes before the cross of Calvary. Surrender yourself to the Lord. Look, in, in the altar that I talked about, there were only one thing. If you come to the altar and offer an animal, you are spared. You buy your life with the blood of an animal. But if you do not come to the altar to offer the sacrifice, you will die. There was no two way about it. It's either you offer sacrifice and be spared in the old time, or you live with your sin and die. So the punishment was either sicknesses, you had born, you had leprosy, you had all those things, you are taken out of the city, you go to die alone. No visitor was allowed, no family member was allowed. If the sin was so vivid and open, they took you outside the city and stoned you and killed you, and God certified it. No one was taken to the court for killing somebody who was a sinner. The same is, Jesus has died for you and I on the cross. It's either you come to Christ and receive salvation. Or if you decide not to come to Christ, then the eternal punishment of sin will come to you. Romans 3.23 says what? The reward of sin is what? Death. But you know what it says in, in Romans chapter 8 verse, verse 1. It says, now therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. If you are in Christ Jesus, your sin has already been condemned. You have no condemnation. But the love of God is raining on you. That's the power of the cross. It is because of the cross that's why you and I are called Christians. We are saved because the cross, on the cross, on that altar, Jesus paid it all for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So Jesus is calling you to the cross. He's calling you and I to come and receive God's love. What should our response be? Here it is, a response in my conclusion. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. What our response should be. This is what the Bible says. I've been crucified with Christ Jesus. Therefore, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in the inside of me. And the life which I live in this flesh, 
I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life as a ransom for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me as a sacrifice. That should be your response and my response. I have been crucified with Christ. I'm supposed to crucify my appetite. I'm supposed to crucify things that mean a lot to me. Nothing is supposed to come first before God. I'm supposed to crucify because I no longer live in my own, but Christ is living in me. And the life that I have, I live by him. It's a life of Christ. What his will is, that's what I do. If you understand that scripture, church, if you are struggling with addiction, it will go in the name of Jesus because you know that it is the temple of God. If you are struggling with anger issues, knowing that there is solution for me, this is not my body. Anger, you, know, you do not have dominion over me. Christ has power over my life. I nail you to the cross right now. I crucify you. Anger will start dying out of you. Begin to control yourself. Whenever you are you're about to get angry and best, you remember the love of God. Rejoice and love and be gentle and meek. Whatever it is, if you have sickness in your body, understanding that the power of the cross, the power of the cross where you and I are crucified, you say, oh God, I know if it's your will, come heal my body. But I want to glorify you with my body. God is calling you and I to give him our, the response of our hearts, to give him our all, to give him everything that we have. He did not spare his only son, but nailed him to the cross. He let him be there so that you and I can be saved. You see, so when they offered sacrifice on that altar, God was seeing something permanent coming, the altar called the cross, where you and I would receive life in abundance. I want you to do something today. I will ask you if you may, please, would you stand where you are? I want you to begin to reflect upon your own life. I'll just give us five minutes and we'll be out of this place. I want you just to begin to think about the love of God versus your struggles. I want you to begin to reflect on how good God is and what he has done on the cross. And if there is anything that you feel is not complete in you, anything, maybe you are, you are in pain, maybe, maybe you have some struggles in your body, maybe you have some issues in your heart, it could be anger issues, it could be addiction, it could be whatever it is, there is nothing that our God cannot do. There is no impossibility with God. All things are possible to God and those who believe all things are possible.